Swirling the liquid, as the agency's wine expert had told him to do, thus liberating the esters and ethers, until his wife said, as she always did, it being the standard toast in her parents' home, Cheers, dears. Rebecca continued the story of her first apartment. Jacques had never worked. Georgine never held a job more than three weeks. The three of them contributed to a kitty, to which all enjoyed equal access. Rebecca had a separate bedroom. Jacques and Georgine sometimes worked on television scripts. They pinned the bulk of their hopes onto a serial titled The IBI, I for intergalactic or interplanetary or something, in space and time. One of their friends was a young communist who never washed and always had money because his father owned half of the West Side. During the day, when the two girls were off working, Jacques flirted with a young Swede upstairs who kept dropping her mop onto the tiny balcony outside their window. A real bombardier, Rebecca said. When Rebecca moved into a single apartment for herself and was all settled and happy, Georgine and Jacques offered to bring a mattress and sleep on her floor. Rebecca felt that the time had come for her to put her foot down. She said no. Later, Jacques married a girl other than Georgine. Cashews, anybody? Richard said. He had bought a can at the corner delicatessen expressly for this visit, though if Rebecca had not been coming, he would have bought something else there on some other excuse just for the pleasure of buying his first thing at the store where in the coming years he would purchase so much and become so familiar. No thank you, Rebecca said. Richard was so far from expecting refusal that out of momentum he pressed them on her again, exclaiming, Please, they're so good for you. She took two and bit one in half. He offered the dish, a silver porringer, given to the maples as a wedding present to his wife, who took a greedy handful of cashews and looked so pale and mottled that he asked, how do you feel? Not so much forgetting the presence of their guest as parading his concern, quite genuine at that, before her. Fine, Joan said edgily, and perhaps she did. Though the Maples told some stories, how they had lived in a log cabin in a YMCA camp for the first three months of their married life, how Bitsy Flanner, a mutual friend, was the only girl enrolled in Bentham Divinity School, how Richard's advertising work brought him into glancing contact with Yogi Berra, who was just as funny as the papers said. They did not regard themselves, that is, each other, as raconteurs, and Rebecca's slight voice dominated the talk. She had a gift for odd things. Her rich uncle lived in a metal house, furnished with auditorium chairs. He was terribly afraid of fire. Right before the Depression, he had built an enormous boat to take himself and some friends to Polynesia. All his friends lost their money in the crash. He did not. He made money. He made money out of everything. But he couldn't go on the trip alone, so the boat was still waiting in Oyster Bay, a huge thing rising thirty feet out of the water. The uncle was a vegetarian. Rebecca had not eaten turkey for Thanksgiving until she was thirteen years old because it was the family custom to go to the uncle's house on that holiday. The custom was dropped during the war, when the children's synthetic heels made black marks all over his asbestos floor. Rebecca's family had not spoken to the uncle since. Yes, what got me, Rebecca said, was the way each new wave of vegetables would come in as if it were a different course. Richard poured the sherry around again, and because this made him the center of attention anyway, said, Don't some vegetarians have turkeys molded out of crushed nuts for Thanksgiving? After a stretch of silence, Joan said, I don't know. Her voice, unused for ten minutes, cracked on the last syllable. She cleared her throat, scraping Richard's heart. What would they stuff them with? Rebecca asked, dropping an ash into the saucer beside her.
Beyond and beneath the window there arose a clatter. Joan reached the windows first, Richard next, and lastly Rebecca, standing on tiptoe, elongating her neck. Six mounted police, standing in their stirrups, were galloping two abreast down 13th Street. When the Maples' exclamations had subsided, Rebecca remarked, They do it every night at this time. They seem awfully jolly for policemen. Oh, and it's snowing, Joan cried. She was pathetic about snow. She loved it so much, and in these last years had seen so little. On our first night here, our first real night. Forgetting herself, she put her arms around Richard, and Rebecca, where another guest might have turned away or smiled too broadly, too encouragingly, retained, without modification, her sweet, absent look, and studied through the embracing couple the scene outdoors. The snow was not taking on the wet street. Only the hoods and tops of parked automobiles showed an accumulation.